0: I want to have you turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. Today we begin a new series. I'm calling it Erased, Rediscovering the Power of the Holy Spirit. We just finished our first series of the year, You Got This, and we talked about how we have a team, and on that team is God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and us. And we go through that, and we go, okay, I have this team but truth be told, I think that sometimes there's some confusion about how we interact with those three different parts of this team. How do we interact with God? How do we interact with Jesus? And how do we interact with the Holy Spirit? And usually the, the, the side of God, we, we kind of get it. We go, okay, I understand that. But sometimes we have a hard time understanding Jesus and what does that mean for my life? And then the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit, quite honestly, I would say is probably the most confusing when it comes to the Trinity, the triune God, to go, what is this Holy Spirit? And depending on what your upbringing is, you may have a great understanding, or you may say, yeah, I heard about the Holy Spirit, but I don't know what that's about. For me, I was raised in a church where the Holy Spirit was spoken of when we we were baptized. You're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we never knew what that was. We always knew there's Jesus. We knew there's God. But we were terrified of the people that lived in the Spirit. You know, the people that handle the snakes, the people that spoke in tongues, the people that got real crazy in their worship, running up and down aisles, or maybe clapping a lot or dancing a lot. We're like, those people are crazy over there. And so we know we have the Spirit, but we really didn't know what that Spirit was or what that Spirit did or how to interact with the Spirit. Matter of fact, when I went to Bible college, they would tell us, now, don't get too much in the Spirit. They said, you can clap when we're singing, and you can maybe have a little bit of a jig, but you always have to keep a pivot foot. So in other words, they're like, it's okay, you can tap, you know, you can get a little bit excited, but let's not run up and down the aisles, let's not get too crazy. And so the spirit sometimes is just kind of confusing, like... Who is the Spirit, and what does the Spirit do inside of me? And there's always these pendulum swings from, okay, the Spirit uh, makes me do all this crazy stuff. Oh, no, that's not true. Okay, now let's just set the Spirit aside. Let's not interact with the Spirit. And there's a happy medium, a good balance. As we study Scripture, you can see that it's probably not a thing over here where you go, man, I never interact with the Spirit. I don't talk about the Spirit. But it's not over here where, man, I'm going to be crazy and freak people out. There's a good biblical understanding as we walk through and try to understand the Spirit. And so I'd imagine a lot of us in here, giving your life to Christ, you heard about the Holy Spirit, you were baptized in the Spirit, we try to talk about the Spirit around this church uh, probably more than than the average church out there because we want us to be a church that is led and guided by the Spirit that is inside of us. And so I want us to dive into this series going over the next few weeks where we really dive in and say, okay, who is this Holy Spirit? What, what is the Holy Spirit about? And, and I'm not going to use the terminology Holy Ghost. I, I know that's a biblical term. You see that in the King James. But sometimes ghost is kind of freaky, like, Oh, ghost, there's ghost in here? I don't want us to freak out, especially if you're not sure what the Holy Spirit is. And so the Holy Spirit, to me, is the most accurate terminology that that we're going to use. And so that's the term that I will use. And so over the next few weeks, I want us to get a biblical understanding of exactly who is the Holy Spirit and what role does the Holy Spirit play within the lives of believers. And if we can grab onto this church, if we can really understand the Holy Spirit's work within our life, You'd be amazed the ministry that God wants to do through this body. you will be amazed the places he'll take us, the things we will do that will go, I never could imagine I would do that. So we're going to start in John chapter 14. We're looking at some of the words of Jesus today. Build a foundational understanding. And I pray within the next few weeks that we'd all grow to know even more intimately the presence of God in our lives, his power through the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 14, verse 16, these are the words of Jesus. He's comforting his disciples, explaining that he was going to go away and he's going to build mansions for them. He's going to put heaven together, but he was going to send someone so they wouldn't be left alone. He says in John 14, 16, I will ask the Father. Who's he talking about? I'll ask God, the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So Jesus tells his disciples, listen, I'm going to ask God. He's going to send a, a counselor to be with you Not for just a little bit of time, not just for the next year, next six months, not just for the next 10 years while you get the church going, but the counselor that will be with you forever. And then in verse 17, he starts to describe who is this counselor. He says, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. Talking about the Holy Spirit. The world can't accept this Holy Spirit because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, let me just stop there in that part of the verse. Truth be told, a lot of us have a hard time understanding the Holy Spirit because, like, I can't see the Holy Spirit. I've heard about the Holy Spirit, but I don't see the Spirit. And so, this is where faith comes in. As people who are God followers, Christ followers, you now this is where our faith is kind of tested. Like, okay, I've, I've learned about the Spirit, but do I really believe the Spirit is doing a work inside of me? This is where many people today are skeptical because they don't understand who He is or, or what He's about, and you can't see Him, and He's not a ghost. But some people think, well, it's a ghost. And so they have a hard time. You go on verse 17. So Jesus goes on to say, but you know him, for he lives with you. There's the promise. It's a promise. And his promise is, is that he'll be in you. Let me just tell you this right now at the very beginning. If you have given your life to Christ, you have made a profession of Jesus Christ, and you have followed him in Christian baptism, you have the spirit inside of you. Now, you may be new to Christianity, you're trying to understand it, you're trying to figure it out, you're like, I haven't made that commitment. This is a wonderful gift we have when we received upon our confession of Jesus Christ as Savior. A challenge in the church today is we receive the Spirit at salvation, but then we we erase that Spirit or we don't understand that Spirit or we forget about the Spirit. Francis Chan wrote a book a couple of years ago called Forgotten God. He's like, listen, you have the Spirit inside you, but we forget that. We say, well, I can't do this. I can't accomplish that. There's no way I could preach. There's no way I could teach. There's no way I could go to the mission field. How can I possibly carry the message in my workplace? And his premise is this. If you are in Christ, you have the Spirit, and you can do it because the Spirit wants to do it through you. And so this is such an important topic. I want, I want you to notice a few things here. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not an it. Some people will say, well, it's leading me to do something. And Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as him. The Holy Spirit is the third person of God in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is very literally God in spirit form. And when you read about the Holy Spirit in Scripture, you find that you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit, which means break his heart, make the Holy Spirit be sad. The Spirit has God in spirit form has emotions. The Bible says the Holy Spirit loves you. And Jesus says, I'm going to go away and send the Spirit to be within you. And he calls him a counselor. A counselor. Someone to be there to help you in the journey of life. A counselor, which comes from the Greek word parakalitos. Parakalitos, or the root word, which is parakalite. And it comes from two words, para, which means alongside of, like a paralegal to come alongside, or a parachurch, not a church, but to come alongside a church. And then kletos comes from the Greek word, which kaleo, which is called. And very literally, the parakalite is the Holy Spirit, is the one who is called alongside of or to be inside of every believer in Jesus. So who is the parakletos? Literally, the word can be translated intercessor. Someone who's interceding for you. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is the one who intercedes and who, who prays for you. He is also your counselor. The Holy Spirit is your advocate before God. He is your comforter. He is your, your helper. And all those words described as parakletos or the paraklete, the Holy Spirit, God in spirit form who comes alongside of you or inside of you to be your comforter, to be your counselor, to be your intercessor, to be your helper, very literally, to be your friend. I'd venture to say that many times in life we feel like struggling having friendships. I have some people I know, but do I have a close friend? Do I have a female friend who's really close? Do I have a male friend who's really close? Who do I go to in a time of need? I want you to know, if you're in Jesus, you have a great friend in the Holy Spirit. Even at times when you feel like I have no friends or I'm struggling in my friendships, you have the Holy Spirit. When I think about a choice, <clears throat> between Jesus and the flesh, or the Holy Spirit, my first thought is, I'm going to take Jesus with me. See, the Holy Spirit goes with you. Imagine this: imagine if Jesus were walking down, walking along in a physical form on the earth today. Would that not be cool? I mean, would it not be cool to see Jesus walking along? And think about it: you have a headache, and you're like, Jesus, I have a headache. Boom! Let me take that away from you. No headache. <coughs> I mean, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. Or or your dog. Gets run over by a car and killed. And you're like, Jesus, Fido's dead. No, he's not. Boom, look, he's walking. I mean, it'd be pretty cool to have Jesus right along your side, or your cat gets run over a car. You're like, Jesus, my cat, my cat, let's have a funeral. He's like, bury that cat. Get rid of it. (laughs) Needs to say, (laughs) needless to say, I don't, I don't love cats. i some friends over, and you have like a half a bag of Cheetos, and just a little bit of peanut butter, and a little bit of jelly, and like two slices of bread. You're like, geez, all these people are going to do. He's like, no problem. Boom, Cheetos everywhere, peanut butter and jelly everywhere. Good, I can feed all of them. I mean, it would be kind of cool to have Jesus right here. Jesus in flesh. That seems like the best thing ever, but Jesus is going to show us that there's actually something better than him in flesh. And we think it would be so neat to walk when he walked. Or have him to walking right now. It's an amazing promise. And he says this in John 16, 7. He says, if I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. It's for your good, he says to his disciples. And he's saying it to us. It's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, the Paraclete, the helper, the intercessor, the counselor, the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. See, he says it's actually best for you. Jesus says, if I'm not here, but instead the Holy Spirit comes, who will dwell within you and will never leave you or forsake you, then God's presence is amazing. See, because if God is walking with me and I'm in Florida and you're here in Kentucky, then that means he's not walking with you if he's here in physical form. But when he's here in the Spirit, I can be in Florida, you can be in Kentucky, and we both have God with us. That's so much better for us. What does the Holy Spirit do? This week we'll look at what the Holy Spirit does within a believer. Next week I want to show you the power of the Holy Spirit to equip you to a life of supernatural life. Uh, in a very natural world. The Holy Spirit, he gives you spiritual gifts. He gives you the gift of faith and the gift of healing and the gift of prophecy and the gift of wisdom. And the Holy Spirit gives you spiritual fruit. And whenever this world is going crazy, you can still have the fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. When you look today at Christians around the world, what, what do you often see as believers of Jesus but people who look no different than the world? Why? Because we've erased the Holy Spirit of our life. We've forgotten about his direction within our life. And people should be able to see us, the church, and see something that's totally different than the world. When the world is freaking out about our political scheme, why are we freaking out? Because who has this world in his hands? When the world is freaking about about the next war, about the financial situation, in the world, why are we freaking out? We shouldn't be freaking out. We know the Holy Spirit has this under control. God is all in control. He has it all in his hands. They should be able to see something different. See, you still kind of get bound in prison to the same sins as other people. We see Christians whose prayer lives are are basically flat or non existent. You see people who are afraid and struggling and gripped by fear and worry and anxiety, but we believe in Jesus, yet our lives have no real power. If we really, truly understand the Holy Spirit, then we walk in this life in power, we walk in this life without fear. We walk in this life letting go of anxieties and letting go of worries and trusting in the Almighty God to do something great beyond my control or beyond what I can even ask or imagine. So why is it that so many people live a spirit-less life? I think there's many reasons, but I want to just look at two briefly with you. The why of a spirit-less life. The first one is, if you're taking notes, is this. Some people aren't even aware of the Holy Spirit. Some people are just clueless. Many of you may say, I heard of the Holy Spirit, like I said earlier, but I don't know what he does. I don't know how he functions. You know it's kind of like I was a kid that, that, that's kind of weird, you know, just learning about the Holy Spirit or hearing about it. You go, that's weird. I know there's the Father. I know there's the Son, but that Spirit thing, we, we just struggle sometimes connecting. In Acts chapter 19, there's really an interesting story that relates to this. In verse 1 it says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road, through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, there he found some disciples. Those are believers in Jesus. He found believers in Jesus and asked them, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? So obviously these people were not at Pentecost when the Spirit came, and they were baptized by John the Baptist, and he asked them that. And they said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there's a Spirit. We heard about Jesus We knew about John the Baptist, they're saying, but who is the Holy Spirit? We don't know anything about him. And and there are many of you who would be in a similar place. I've heard about Jesus. I've been baptized, but I've not received a teaching or understand what that spirit does. We don't know anything about him. And there are many in this world who would be in a very similar place. We've heard of him, but that's about it. We don't understand the spirit's word. I don't understand anything about him. There's a whole other world of power available to believers through God in the power of his Holy Spirit. And I'm afraid, church, we're missing out on that. I- I'm afraid that we've kind of put the Holy Spirit kind of in a box or put them on the shelf, so to speak. It's kind of like traveling on a plane. Now, I've shared this before. I'm not a oral traveler, so this hasn't been my experience, but I've been told that when you p- I've never purchased a first class ticket, but if you get on a plane where there's a first class seating, typically the entrance on that plane to the left of that is a first class seating and to the right of that is all the other people who don't have the first-class seating. There's two type of people. The people who go in and they turn left, and the people who go in and they turn right, you know, to the back of the plane where the cheap seats are. There are some people who they, for years, have been turning left, and there's a side of that curtain. You you guys ever want to do what I want to do? I want to kind of peek in that curtain and see what's going on. I'm like, what's happening up there? You hear about how they get nice steak dinners, and their chairs lay back, and they can take a nap and go to sleep, and they get offered blankets and pillows, and then you turn to the right, and... I was on a plane the other day, it used to be you get free, free maybe a free drink and some pretzels. The other day, they are coming along and charging you for that. You know, you want some pretzels, you want, some, you want a Coke, Okay, that'll be six bucks. I'm like, well, six dollars for a little bag of pretzels? Because you're, you're in the back of the cheap seats. And, and I always end up in the back. In the back of the plane, they're not always quite as nice to you. But up front, they call you sir, they call you ma'am. In the back, you're crunched with knees in your back. And uh, if, you, if you notice, you have maybe 28 to 31 inches of space, unless the person in front of you says... I'm gonna lean back. Up front, they have beautiful seating and the cheap seats, you know, they don't they don't give you anything special perks, but up front they give you a warm washcloth so you can actually towel off your forehead and and feel fresh for the day. If you're traveling long distance on the same flight, up front they give you PJs and blankets and all kinds of good stuff to, to be in that first class seat. See, Christians all over the world are going through life without this power. See, in the back of the plane, you snuggle up close to people who you share a role with, and you lean upon one another. See, without victory and without strength, on the other side, there's a spiritual power from God in heaven that's greater than you could ever imagine. It's kind of like going on that plane going, there's something great over there, but I don't get a chance to partake in it. Here's the good thing. As Christians, we get a chance to partake in the Holy Spirit. We get a chance to partake in His power. The very same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available to every single believer. Stop and let that sink in for a moment. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available to every single believer. He'll fill you, he'll direct you, he'll comfort you, he'll guide you, he'll counsel you, he'll convict you, he'll empower you, and he's available for you. Are you touching into that power? Are you reaching into the Holy Spirit? So many people are living a spiritless life because they're just unaware of the power and the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Why are so many people living that spirit last life? Simply because so many people are, are unaware. Church, I don't want us to be unaware. I want us to know of this great opportunity we have to have a spirit-filled life and to walk in the power of the Spirit. There's a second reason, if you're taking notes, and it's simply that many people resist the Holy Spirit. It's not the one we want to hear. There will be many of us probably in this room. Holy Spirit prompts us as a believer, led you to do something. You've kind of said, ah, I don't really want to do that. I'm going to go do my own thing. Many of you have been going about, and you're about to do something that's not right, and the Holy Spirit convicts you and says, ah, don't do that. That's not really a great choice. And you're like, yeah, but I want to. And so we resist the Spirit. Sometimes you're, you're going along in life, and the Spirit prompts you to do something good. And you're like, ah, but that's going to take a little bit of my time, or that's going to take some of my money. Ah, Spirit, I'm not going to do that right now. And so we resist the Spirit just in doing some good things. We resisted the Spirit sometimes for so long that your heart has become hardened to the gentle promptings of the Spirit because the Spirit doesn't usually stand up and just yell and scream and shout. It's a gentle nudge. Don't say that. Don't post that. Don't share that. Don't send that email. Say it this way instead of that way. Go help this person. Go assist this, this person. It's usually just small, simple little things, but when we ignore the Spirit, we resist the Spirit, then what happens is we stop hearing the Spirit. Stephen, in the New Testament, very young and courageous, a bold believer, was given over to the Sanhedrin, the religious people. He was giving them a good chewing right before they stoned him to death. Look what he says to them in 751. He says, you stiff-necked people. I mean, he's standing before the religious leaders. He's young. He says, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. That's a big cut down in that language. Basically telling them, you all are stubborn idiots, is what he's telling them. He, then he says, You're just like your fathers, just like your forefathers, just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. People who are spiritually religious, and he comes after them and says, You're ignoring the spirit. You're resisting the spirit. And some of you may say, well, I'm not sure the Holy Spirit really prompts me or moves me or speaks to me. It could be that maybe you resisted the Holy Spirit and his directions of maybe staying away from the bad or even doing the good for so long that your hearts have become hard. And you're like, I don't even know when the Spirit's nudging or speaking. What an opportunity to renew. I've learned that through failures to try very hard not to resist when I feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting me. When the Holy Spirit's saying, Brian, you need to go here. Brian, you need to do this. Brian, you need to say that. I've been asked many times, Brian, how do you know if it's the Spirit prompting you versus your own thoughts? Good question, isn't it? How do I know the Spirit's prompting me? Or how do I know I'm just thinking about that? See, by nature, we're selfish, are we not? By nature, we want to take care of me, myself, and I. And so if there's something that's benefiting me, and I'm thinking I should do that, but it's going to benefit me, I tend to think that's probably me or it's my own thoughts. However, if there's something that doesn't benefit me, it might bring glory to God, I just assume it's the Holy Spirit saying, you need to go do that. If I'm being convicted not to do something and I really know something's wrong, I assume that's the Holy Spirit. Now, Brian, are you going to listen or are you going to resist? If I'm feeling led to do something good to somebody, blessing somebody, blessing a, a, another person, I just assume that it's the Holy Spirit. If it's not, then I do something good, and the worst thing that's happened is I did something good. Because sometimes we don't know. Spirit will constantly remind you of the things that are not of God. Will constantly remind you. You're going to step into the realm of do something that's not of God. The Spirit will nudge your mind and your heart, and then will we obey or will we listen? See, if it's a blessing to others, I just tend to assume, hey, that's the Holy Spirit telling me to do that, ministering to somebody else. Here's what happens. The Holy Spirit leads you to do something. You respond with, ah, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do things my way. The Holy Spirit promised you to do something again. I don't want to do that. And you resist the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit. And your heart then can become very hardened to the Holy Spirit. We're so hardened that you don't even realize or don't even hear the nudgings of the Holy Spirit. So why are so many people do they living in a spiritless life? Well, some are not aware. Others have become so skilled at resisting. And so for the next few minutes, what I want to do is talk about the internal work of in the Spirit. I want you to understand how the Spirit can minister to us. Hopefully by understanding how the Holy Spirit ministers, we'll be drawn more to Him and want to know more about Him. See, here's how the Holy Spirit works. He comforts you. He comforts you. The Holy Spirit is called a comforter. He'll comfort you when you're hurting. Here's what the Scripture says in John 14, 16. Jesus says, I'll pray to the Father, and He'll give you another comforter. Another comforter. When, I mean, when you're walking through the times when your heart's been broken, someone's done you wrong, you've lost a loved one, going through a sickness, you're walking through challenges of life, the presence of God can be with you that you can have comfort even amidst of the challenges you're walking in. See, what is amazing to me is there are, there are those of you in this room who are going through something really difficult right now. You're going through that challenge. I can promise you that many of you at this moment, you will sense because you're here, you'll sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're like, okay, Spirit, I'm walking through this, but you're walking with me. But what about when you walk out of this place and you go into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and you're dealing with whatever it is that's stressing you or that's overwhelming you or that's hurting you. So even though you're hurting, you can still be comforted. He can comfort you with a peace that goes beyond all human understanding. It is the comforting presence of God. I've shared this before, but when my dad died 11 years ago, how did you walk through that? People ask, and and not just go crazy in, in the middle of that. Well, the comfort of the Holy Spirit is what carries you through times like that, where you're not so distraught that life's just going to fall apart because the Holy Spirit comforts you and says, I'm walking with you. The Holy Spirit comforts you. The second thing is this. <coughs> the Holy Spirit will counsel you. He's your counselor. He's your guide. You, you don't know what to do, and He can direct you. Scripture says... In John 16, 13, but he, the spirit of truth comes and he will guide you in all truth. You ever get stuck in a point and you're like, I don't know what to do right here. Maybe it's a parenting situation. What do I say to my child right now? Maybe it's a marriage situation. How do I handle this in my marriage? Maybe it's a work situation. You're just crying out, Lord, I don't know what to do. The spirit inside of you will guide you what to do what to say. You, you don't know what to do, so you just start praying the Holy Spirit can give you direction, can give you wisdom, can give you discernment. It's kind of like those, like those on television, a, a news show or a sports show. You, you watch, all of them are, are wearing a, a little earpiece, and there's someone who's directing that news show or that sports show, and then telling them what's going on, and a producer will let them know what's going on. A producer will talk in ear and tell them 20 seconds until commercial. Okay, and then it counts down, five, four, three, two, one, and everybody relaxes. And they're kind of chit-chatting, and they're talking, and then the producer comes back on. 30 seconds, we're back on live, and then they start the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one, they're back on live. And they go on about whatever the show is, but the producer's always talking in the ear, always telling them, hey, maybe ask this question, or go into this direction, or we're going to a commercial, or we need a break, or, or move here, or do this. The whole time that producer is talking in their ear, keeping them straight, letting them know what to do next, that's kind of like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's right there talking in your ear. Do you hear Him? Are you listening? Going, okay, Spirit, what's next? What's next? Holy Spirit wants to guide every single step. It's a very similar way that God works in our lives. Those who are aware of the Spirit and their presence and His voice, you can go through a day knowing that the Spirit is with you, that you wake up in the morning, you begin your day with God, and you start going, okay, God, every step I take today, I want to hear from you. The Spirit will prompt you. Reach out to that person. Pray for this person right now. Make this kind of decision. Don't say what you're about to say. Don't post what you're about to post. Hold on a second. Well, slow down. The Spirit will guide and will direct you in such a way. It's a constant awareness of the Spirit of God that is guiding you. It's the Spirit-filled life. It's not walking by sight, but it's walking by faith that the Holy Spirit is with you and guiding you because He's your counselor. He's here to direct us in every step of life. There's a third action of the Holy Spirit. He'll convict you. Maybe not the one we necessarily like. John 16.8 says, When the Spirit comes, He'll convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. That's a hard one sometimes. Even today, there are those of you who are being convicted by the Spirit of God. There may be something in your life that should not be there, and all of a sudden you're feeling this sense like, I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be participating in. And I haven't mentioned what it is, but you're probably even feeling maybe some conviction today going, yeah, I need to go deal with that this afternoon, or I need to change my direction this week, or I need to get out of this thing I've been involved in, or I need to stop. So I don't have to tell you what those are. The Spirit will tell you what that is. The Spirit will will get into your life, and the Spirit, if you are listening, will direct you of what to be part of and not to be part of. That is the presence of the Holy Spirit convicting you. There are others of you that are being drawn to God right now, and you don't know why. Maybe you're not even a church person or a Bible person, but you're drawn to God right now, and you're saying, man, that Holy Spirit is convicting you of your need for God. And you're like, I haven't even been drawn close to God lately. I haven't been listening to him. I don't even know who he is. There are those who of you here today, and you're under conviction that you're being drawn to God, and you don't know exactly why you're being God. It's the Holy Spirit that is here, and the Holy Spirit is saying, rest in me. The Holy Spirit is saying, trust in me. The Holy Spirit is saying, give your life to me. Because there's an outward working of the Spirit, and there's an inward working of the Spirit. And the outward working of the Spirit, what draws you towards Jesus Christ. Let me warn you, don't fight him for too long. Don't wrestle with the Spirit for too long because your heart right now may be listening to a small, gentle voice. But then Satan does his work, and it's so easy to drown out the the voice of the Spirit. And so why not let go and say, you know what, God, you're you're drawing me to you, and today could be my day to receive you. To say, God, you you sent your son, Jesus, because you love me that much. And Jesus, who lived a sinless life and, and died and rose again on the cross, I can be empowered by your spirit when I let go and receive this promise? Yeah, he he wants you to hear that today. And he may be convicting somebody in this room right now to say, you need to let go of this life. You need to let go of this world. You need to grab on the world, the kingdom of God. You need to grab on to Jesus. He's a comforter. He's a counselor. And he brings conviction to your life. Now, the topic of the Holy Spirit is such a deep, deep well. There is no way I could cover The depth of what there is to understand about the Spirit in four sermons. It's just just impossible. We could preach on this all year long, but I I believe that in your growth groups, you're going to really dive in with some of the Scriptures and and really start to draw out some things about the Spirit. But let me encourage you. This is a little book that I was turned on to several years ago, Living in the Power of the Holy Spirit by Charles Stanley. This book has shaped my mind so much on understanding the Spirit to go along with Scripture. It's so filled with Scripture. And for those of you who are not big readers, me included, I'm not a big reader, this is simple. See how small that is? Now, there's no pictures, but the pages are real short, okay? Real short. What we did is we ordered 25 of these for the church. They're $12 a piece. That's what we paid for them on Amazon. You can find them somewhere cheaper maybe, then that's up to you. We have them available out of the cafe. We don't have a lot of change or anything like that, so you have to pay $12 straight up with cash or write a check. Or you can go to the website. If you go to our website right there, you can order the book today and walk up to the cafe and just show them your, your email that you'll receive and say, yeah, I ordered one. It'd be a great supplemental reading for you to read along as we go through this month, just learning about the Holy Spirit. So if you have a hunger and a desire, you're like, I need to understand the Spirit more, what He's talking about. I greatly encourage you to pick one of these up, dive into it, and I think it will also enrich your small group times when you're going together as, as growth groups. So I encourage you to do that. Let me just ask you this morning as I, as I wrap up, do <coughs> you really know Him? Do you really know the Spirit? Or are you even resisting Him? See, there's, there's really not any, any other choice. It's either I know the Spirit and I'm growing with the Spirit, or I've ignored the Spirit and I'm resisting the Spirit. There's really not a middle road. It's one or the other. What the Lord wants you to do today is if you've been resisting, Him, He wants you to humble yourself. He wants you to submit to Him. If you've given your life to Christ some time ago, today could be a day of repentance and humbling as we move to our time of communion and just humble yourself and say, Lord, i got to get to know your Holy Spirit. Or today could be the day that you receive the Holy Spirit. When Peter preached that great message in Acts chapter 2, and the people were convicted, they asked, what must we do? And here was his response. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter said, you give your life to Jesus, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Here's how you do it. You confess, you repent, and you go to the waters of baptism. Today, that could be your decision. We'd love to help you with that. So as we move into our time of community, if you say, you know what, today needs to be my day, then I just encourage you to get up and move to the back of the room. I'll be back there. I'd love to help you take those steps. For some of you, you say, ah, I'm I'm right close, but let's talk a little bit. Maybe you use your connection card and say, I want to talk, or go to the back of the room and say, let's begin a conversation, but we're ready. The water's warm. We have baptism closed, and today could be the day that you connect with God and you receive the Holy Spirit, and you have the blessings I've been talking about today.